0: Welcome to our brand new series called The Problem of God, where we tackle some of life's most difficult questions. There was a poll taken not long ago and it asked this: If you could address God and just be assured that you were going to receive the answer for your question, you knew for sure that God would answer your question, what would you ask? The results were astounding. The thing that people wanted to know the most is why is there suffering and evil in the world? Think of it. Why is there so much pain, so much suffering, and evil in the world? Today on The Problem of God, we're going to look at this question of evil and suffering. It kind of revolves around this. How could a good God, how could a loving God, allow a world in which He is supposed to be all-powerful, yet there are things like murder and violence and rape and child abuse, and great atrocities and disease that happen in this world. How could a good God allow that to happen? You know, I think that's a good question. It's good for two reasons. Number one, it's personal. It's personal because in a very real way, we own this question, we feel this question. We may be a little bit put off by the way that we have acted badly. Maybe our choices have been poor and has led to difficult suffering or pain for other people. We may not have actually committed murder, but if we're honest, many of us have thought someone did. We have thought it would be a whole lot better if this situation or if that person weren't around. And so even from a personal standpoint, we feel the propensity of wishing or doing evil on our own. So we have a personal stake in this. Not only that, though, some of us feel the very injustices that have been committed against us. And it's personal because we just can't outlive the memories of things that have happened to us, the evil, the suffering. Maybe it was a bad uh, upbringing or or a situation that has occurred, uh, not of our own choosing or of our own making, and someone has caused tragedy or turmoil for our own life. These are very good questions, and they're personal but also they're biblical. This is a biblical question because the Bible opens up with a great picture and a retelling of the creation account. And at the end of all of creation, you know what God said? It is good. We see this good creation and we wonder what happened that pain and sorrow and agony has entered in. From the very beginning of the Bible, we find that things like Rivalry and suffering, and even jealousy of murder happens. You find that there's a fall between Adam and Eve, and then Cain and Abel, you have a sibling rivalry that that results in a murder, the very first murder, and and all this shame that is being brought upon this family. You go on from there, and you find that Noah had to experience a flood, and the entire earth was wiped out, except for just the few in his family, all because of the wickedness of mankind. After the flood, we find the patriarchs, people whose hearts and lives were supposed to be dedicated, inclined to God, and yet time and time again, the patriarchs fell. They abandoned the God that they said they served, and they chose very unwisely in many things. Israel, the chosen nation of God of the Old Testament, even would kill her own prophets for them not telling her what they wanted to hear, but speaking, thus saith the word of God. And we fast forward when we find this, that in the New Testament, Jesus, the completion of the old, the fulfillment of all the prophecies come on the scene. For 33 and a half years, he walks the earth. He has a public ministry. He heals. He, He reaches out to the sick. And we find that there is this glimpse of what God really looks like in the person of Jesus, all to come to the climax at the cross where Jesus himself suffered, bled, and died. There is this great cry all throughout Scripture, and we can find it. It's in the Psalms. It's also in Habakkuk 1-2. And it goes like this. It says something like, Oh God, how long are you going to sit by and watch this suffering happen? God, when will you hear our prayer? God, when will you attune your ear to our pleas? God, where are you in all this? Are you ever going to come back and make the world right again? It is a question of suffering. It's a question of evil.
1: No one wants evil to exist. It's ugly. It's uncomfortable. We would much prefer that people are simply products of their environment. A good, stable environment should produce good, stable people. But that is demonstrably false. We see the abuse, the lies, the hate, theft, language and murder that surround us every day and we are left with the obvious conclusion that evil is real and it doesn't live very far away. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? This lurking enemy of our families, our world, and our own selves is not out there. It's in us. It's a part of us. And it's exemplified when Paul says, the good I want to do, I don't do. What a wretched man I am. The reality of evil is undeniable and it's closer than we think.
0: So let's tackle this question. Why is there so much evil? Why so much suffering? Pastor Mark Clark says this, everyone, even the most convinced atheist, has a faith position. Everybody believes in something and makes assumptions about reality, okay? Everything we believe is filtered through a grid or a worldview that has been adopted over time. So we all have this worldview. We all have a notion of reality of how things should operate or how things should work. And within our worldview is this question of pain, of suffering, and of evil, And so every worldview must grapple with this question. Every worldview must deal with evil. And so how do we find other worldviews dealing with evil? We'll get to the Christian one in just a moment. But New Age, for example, very popular on the world scene, has been for many years, and especially in Western culture. But New Age says that evil is just an illusion. They use the word maya. It's just an illusion. It's it's made up. It's really not a, a reality. And it actually denies that real evil is actually happening. What it says is that higher enlightenment will get you to ascend beyond the suffering. It'll help you to see the evil in a different way. And once you have arrived, then you won't be touched or stained by evil Anymore. That doesn't offer a whole lot of hope for someone who is suffering starvation, sickness, disease, or simply injustice. Hinduism, for example, it bases the concept of evil on karma. Hinduism says that you are suffering today or you're living a great life today, all based upon the choices and the deeds of your previous lives. And therefore, there's nothing you can do to mitigate or minimize the suffering and evil of another person. Why even try? That is the road that they have to take because of karma. That's why in countries of Hinduism, you'll find that they won't even uh, destroy or or, uh, kill certain animals. People are starving in the streets, and yet they have animals running rampant all around because they think that those are their ancestors. They have been uh, put into this experience because of decisions and choices that they have made before. That is definitely not the Christian culture, the Christian understanding of suffering or evil. In fact, John 9 and, and 2 uh, talks to us about a man who was born blind. And the question was actually asked of Jesus. They said, Jesus, with this mindset of someone did something wrong, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was blind? Who's at fault here? And Jesus looked to them and said, No one sinned. It wasn't a result of someone doing something wrong, but that my Father in heaven might receive glory from this. And he proceeded then to heal the man, and so he received his sight. So karma is definitely not what we as Christians have to believe or have to look forward to to grapple with evil. Islam. Islam looks at suffering as it's life's way of telling you that you need to surrender more to God. And if you're going through suffering, you're going through pain, then there's something you're still holding on to and you haven't surrendered to God. So really, evil and suffering is based on you. And that doesn't bring a whole lot of hope either. Atheism says this, because there's evil in the world, there cannot and there must not be a God. It just denies God based upon the existence of evil. Now, I realize all of these are a little bit oversimplified summations of every one of these world religions or philosophies, and we could go much deeper into them. But the Christian faith doesn't take that approach. The Christian faith doesn't simply in any part just define evil and suffering and say, okay, there it is, live with it. Actually, in all 66 books of your Bible, you will find that there are illustrations, examples of people overcoming tremendous odds just to get to the other side and realize that it was those odds, it were those things that caused them to be propelled forward in their faith with God. And what the Christian life does offer is hope and a promise not just in this life, but also in the new creation, when Jesus will make all things new. When the new creation, according to Revelation 21 and 22, there's no tears, they get wiped away from our eyes, and all things become new. Now, if we're just simply looking for a clear-cut answer, why is there suffering and evil? Then we can say that we live in a fallen world and that when sin entered in, the corruption and the decay started and death was a result of sin. Perhaps evil and suffering, while not caused by God, certainly can be used by God for redemptive ways. Best-selling author Malcolm Gladwell says this, he has a study in the University of London where he found that one-third of highly successful entrepreneurs were dyslexic. They couldn't even hardly read or they read backwards or they saw words in a a way that most of us would not see words. He called this the advantage of disadvantage. Now think about it for a minute. How is a disadvantage an advantage? Well, he said there are two possible interpretations. Number one, it's that this remarkable group of people triumphed in spite of their disability, They are so smart, they're so creative that nothing, not even a lifetime of struggling with reading could stop them, that's one proposition. The second he said is this, it's more intriguing, the possibility is that they succeeded in part because of their disorder, that they learned something in and through their struggle of enormous advantage. Now this, this gets a little bit closer to the Christian explanation of why that there is suffering, or that there is evil that is always not too far away, challenging our faith, challenging what we believe. Many of you know that my favorite Bible character in the Old Testament is Joseph. And I think that he has such a, a picture, maybe a, a, a vantage point of this evil and suffering concept that many of us don't have. You know, that he was favored by his father and it caused him to be sold into slavery. And he went into prison and he suffered in prison, get this, for 13 years for crimes he didn't commit And when he was there, he was um, given promises and assurances he was going to get out. People failed him. They, They didn't keep their word once they got on the outside. They didn't remember Joseph. For 13 years, he suffered. Finally, we find out that through these years, God was preparing. God was sharpening. God was doing something in and through Joseph to make him second in command in all of the land. When he finally arrived at this place in position of authority, his brothers came and stood before him. They didn't recognize him, but his life had been really battered with some injustice, with some suffering. Really, if you want to look at it, it was evil that was done to Joseph. In Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19, we pick up the narrative, and Joseph's brothers are standing before him, and here's what he says. Joseph said to them, "'Do not be afraid.'" I am in the place of God. In other words, God has appointed me, God has anointed me, I am right here because God has chosen me to stand here this very day. He revealed himself to his brothers and they were amazed. They were shocked, they were so shameful, they were so apologetic and they were sorry then what they had done to their brother all those years ago. And here's what he says in verse 20, now get this. You intended to harm me what you tried to do and what you set out to do and what your plans were, where you wanted to harm me, but God. I love the but God scriptures. I love that this verse punctuates and puts an exclamation right there in our hearts, but God intended for good. So anything, evil, suffering, pain, tragedy, trial, turmoil in our life, everything that bombards we are just, we're just normal Christian human people. Anything that bombards us, it may have been intended for evil. It may have been intended for bad, but God intended it for good. And look what it says, that he may accomplish what is being done now and save many lives. God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done in the current, in the present, that many lives may be saved. I get from this that God is a good God, that he is a loving God, that He chose to suffer for us and as us on the cross. He took the sin of the world, our sin, my sin, and your sin. He took it upon His shoulders at the cross. There's an interesting statement at the cross. It says that your hour of darkness, the power of darkness has an hour to do what it's going to do. It says that your hour and the power of darkness will be completed. So there is a time and a season, there is a space of some suffering that will happen to all of us, but it is just a season. It is just a temporary thing. So Jesus temporarily suffered on that cross. He died. He went into the tomb, and on the third day, he rose again. And because he lives, we can live also. So he also suffered With us and continues to walk through the trials of life with us. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Verse 16, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we might receive mercy and find grace and help for our time of need. Maybe you're in a time of need. Maybe you need some grace. Maybe today you need God's help. Well, all you need to do is call to him. He's walking through the trial with you right now. I'm going to close, but I want to invite you to do something. We're going to do this every time that we get together during this series. I want to invite you to take one step closer to Jesus by faith. Now, you say, how do you do that? Well, here's a couple of ways. Number one, you may be listening today and you say, I'm not, a, I'm not there yet. I'm just not ready. I kind of get what you're saying. I want to go there. I'm just not ready. Well, then here's what I want you to pray. Lord, I believe, but I have some unbelief, so help my unbelief. And that's one step closer to Jesus. Maybe you're not yet in, but you really want to be in. And so for you, what I would say is that step closer to Jesus is to repent to receive the free gift of salvation, and to become a new creation in Christ. But maybe you're in the third category. You say, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I know him, I walk with him, but I really want to go deeper. I really want to know how to make an answer for those who ask me a reason for my hope. I want to know more about how that I can respond in my faith. And here's what I would say for you, is just simply tell God today, where you lead, there I will follow. So whether you're just not sure and you're testing the waters, just tell God, I want to take a step. I don't know what that means. Just a step. I'm not ready yet. Just a step. Or I'm all in and I want this gift of salvation. Or God, I want to go deeper. Pray one of those prayers. And if you do, Will you please email us? Will you comment right there? Let us know that this is affecting you and that you're receiving ministry from this broadcast. And we want to get in touch with you and tell you how you can be part of the family of God, how you can get more involved in the things that God wants you to do in your life. God bless you. We'll see you real soon.